Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, I have uh, titled the message, A New Generation Comes on the Scene. A new generation comes on the scene. I'm going to read for us 1 Samuel chapter 3. As I read it, I want you to, to think about this new generation, and it is represented with Samuel. The old generation is that of Eli, and the new generation is that of Samuel. Here is what is recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Verse 2. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The the lamp of God was not yet gone out. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and said, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, this is Eli, I didn't call Lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called again, Samuel, and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. The Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him, that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he said, here I am. And Eli said, 
What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we turn our focus, our attention to your word this morning, Father, I pray that you would speak. I pray, Father, that we would clearly hear from you this morning about our individual lives. God, may we see. Father, may we know the things that you are about all around us and may we join you in your glorious mission and work. God, You are worthy of all worship. You are worthy of all praise this morning. Not just as we stand and sing about You, but as we live out our lives. God, I pray for this body of believers. Father, may You speak to us and may we hear You and may we obey what You are calling us to do. I ask this in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at a new generation coming on the scene, in the passage, I believe there are three principles for us to hold on to uh, that deal with understanding that new generation and what God has in store for us, all of us, whether we find ourselves like that of Eli, where our eyesight is not as good as it once was, or if we find ourselves like that of Samuel, a young boy just starting out in life. A new generation comes on the scene. The first of the three principles is this, God knows you. God knows you, even if you don't know Him. Even if you don't know Him, God knows you. This whole night in Samuel's life must have been frustrating. It must have been frustrating on a number of levels. It must have been frustrating at a number of moments during the night, especially after God started calling his name and subsequently began to share with him what he was about to do. But as God called the name Samuel over and over and over again, four times, 
How frustrating those moments must have been for Samuel. He hears somebody calling his name. He knows somebody has awoken him. He knows that his name has been spoken. It has gone into his left ear and his right ear. He knows his name. Yet every time that he runs to Eli, the only one that was close enough to be calling that name, Eli says, uh, it wasn't me. Go back to bed, boy. It wasn't me. I did not call your name. Time after time after time. So that third time when his name was called, he runs to Eli. And Eli perceives something. Must be the Lord. Must be the Lord. So when he calls again, if he calls again, go and say this. Don't say, here I am. But say this. Lord, your servant hears. And as he stated that the fourth time, as he stated that the fourth time, Samuel, Samuel, here I am. No, Lord, your servant hears. God shared with Samuel something. A message that he shared that was to bring havoc on a whole family but a message that Eli had already heard. Last week we looked in chapter 1. This week we are in chapter 3. In between chapter 1 and 3 is chapter 2. And that shares with us those words that God has previously spoken to Eli and his household and the reason why he is speaking again here in chapter 3 of what he is about to do. It is because Eli's two sons, two priests, Their actions as priests of God were abominable to the Lord. And because of those actions and because of Eli's failure to call them out in a proper way about their actions, God is going to bring a curse on Eli's family forever. The principle, as I stated, is that God knows you even if you don't know Him. How does He know you? He knows you because He created you, number one. He knows you because of the molecules that formed your body were molecules that He spoke into existence. That when you were in your mother's womb, he was knitting you together and knew exactly every aspect of your life, just like he did that of Samuel and Eli, Hophni, Phinehas, and every other man or woman that has ever lived on the face of the earth. He knows you. He knows your name. Even if you don't know him. He knows you inside and out. Eli was a judge. He was ruling over all of Israel in his day. He lived in that time period from the time that they entered into the the promised land to that of the kings with Saul and David coming right after this and a generation after him. 
but he failed to be the dad that he was supposed to be. And God calls him out in chapter 2. You can read about it as he speaks in chapter 2, verses 12 down through verse 21. It speaks of how worthless Eli's sons were. It then shares with us in verse 22 down through verse 26 what Eli says to them. He comes late in the game and says, hey, you don't need to be doing what you're doing, guys. Come on. You know that you shouldn't be doing this. But even with those words, God rejects that whole household in verse 27 down through the end of the chapter. Chapter 3 is a sad chapter, folks. It's a sad chapter because as I read it this week and as I've been thinking about it, it, it just scares me to death that we find ourselves as a generation of Eli's generation. Eli's generation allowed the light there in verses 1 and 2. The eyesight of Eli had begun to grow dim so that he couldn't see and he was lying in his own place and the lamp of God, it had not yet gone out, but it was close. That's what it's stating there in verse number 3. Some have argued that what that is speaking of is that it was almost dawn. It was almost morning, and so the sun was about to come over the horizon. But even if that is the case, I believe it is stating as well as that, speaking against Eli and what was going on in his life. Eli was lying down in his own place. And as he was lying down in his own place, God began to speak with another individual. Not the priest, but another. And you see what it says in verse number 2? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Think for just a moment. I want you to think about your house. I want you to think about, about your possessions How many Bibles do you have? How many literal Bibles do you have? I have one at every possible seat that I usually sit in. I I, um, shared this past week, I believe, with the uh, staff during staff meeting. I, I read a passage that morning and I came to staff meeting Later, and I came using a different Bible, and I hate it when that happens because when I underline something in one Bible and I go to another Bible and it's not in the same spot, I don't remember what in the world I was underlining. It took me 10 minutes to try to find the verse that had hit me at 6 o'clock some two hours earlier. How many Bibles do you have? I mean, we... Could we actually say that the word of the Lord is rare in our generation? The word of the Lord is rare in our time? It, it states there in verse number two, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight, excuse me, in verse number one, it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The, the word is uh, used for rare there is special. 
It was precious. It was costly. But at the same time, it was rare. All four of those words describe this Hebrew word. And in this moment, in this instance, it is that it didn't happen very often. And the question is, wow, why? What a statement of their day. What a statement of the culture that they found themselves in. Here's God's chosen people with Eli, right? Just walk with me for a brief moment. Here's God's chosen people. Three generations removed from seeing the waters of the Jordan River roll back and them to walk into the promised land. Three generations removed from them just walking around a fortified city and seeing the walls fall down. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Moms and dads, grandparents, may we take heed to this verse. And may we not follow in that generation's steps. So as I was thinking about the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and I asked you the question, how many Bibles do you own? Or how many Bibles are in your possession? It's not a a question of how many copies of God's Word that you and I have. It's, when's the last time you actually opened it? Outside of Sunday morning, when was the last time that you just stopped and read those black letters on that white page? The Word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord came in chapter 2, verse 30, and said, Far be it from me, for those who will honor me, I will honor, God says, and those who despise me, they shall be lightly esteemed. True in that day and in our day, if you would honor him, he will honor you. If you despise him, you and I will be lightly esteemed in his eyes. God sends multiple rebukes, and as He sends multiple rebukes, they are not answered correctly. So therefore, what scares me about this time in this culture also brings great hope in this time in this culture that you and I find ourselves in. Because when one generation sleeps, God raises up another generation. I must admit this this morning, as I wrote in my notes, I must admit that if we're not careful that my generation... Generation X in my 40s, we might find ourselves as one whose eyes are dim. And if we don't heed those statements, those warnings of chapter 2 and 3, we will find ourselves losing a generation that is called millennials. But even if that is the case, I am so thankful for some folks right over here to my left. God is raising up a new generation 
a generation different than millennials. Amen to that. If you're a millennial, I'm sorry for that. But also a generation, because them being different than millennials and also than Gen Xers like myself, they are seeking after God with a more fervent hunger than we have seen in these last two generations. It is happening. And I am grateful for God to continue to call that generation. Second principle. We need to move forward. Not only do we see in this, in this passage that God knows us even if we don't know Him, but we see in this passage that God speaks today. He's speaking. And so let me try to illustrate it this way. What would you say if I stood up here and said, hey, at this very moment, in this room right now, there is a para-universe that is happening at this very moment. It is happening right now, and, and you can't deny that it's happening. You would probably say, whew, it's 1050, Sunday the 27th, 2019, he's finally come off his rocker. But it is happening right now. In this room, at this very moment, there is another universe that is happening. There are multiple universes that are happening. And if you had your antenna in this room right now, you could receive those signals. You could receive those signals on an FM wavelength. You could receive those signals on an AM wavelength. You could receive those signals coming across Wi-Fi at this moment. Some of you are already doing that on Google. You could receive... You could receive the wavelengths of a different universe right now and see it in high-definition color if you had the right receptors at this moment because they're in the room. It's happening right now. And when that is tuned in and focused in front of you, guess what? You are ushered into a whole different place. You are ushered into a whole different place that generations before you could never happen to take part in. We, growing up, could not have a whole season, actually multiple seasons, back to back to back to back. We had to wait a week after week after week for another episode to come out. You and I today can just sit and veg. Whole different generation. Whole different universe happening. I say partly that in jest and fun. But at the same moment... When all those wavelengths are in this room right now that you could, if you had your antenna happening, focused, tuned in, you could receive FM, AM, you could receive shortwave, you could receive high definition, you could receive internet. If you have those things focused in at the same moment in time, there is one who is speaking and your spiritual antenna my spiritual antenna, if focused, can hear him. The God of the universe is speaking today. He is speaking in a similar fashion that he spoke in Samuel's day. He is calling your name and he is calling my name. He is calling us. Yet what's so scary and what's so sad are words like these. Busy. 
crazy week. Oh, it's just been so hectic. I'm just at my wit's end. I I am frazzled. All of those words were used this week by individuals that I had a conversation with about their week. Or that I stated about my week to someone. Busy, crazy, frazzled, hectic, chaotic. How is your day? How has your week been? What's happening in your life? What you and I fail to remember. We are not the first generation that has responsibilities. We're not the first generation that has a job and a family. We're not the first generation that has come on the scene that has kids who want to take us in 47 different directions all in the next 42 minutes. We're not the first generation that has come onto the scene and is living out life with the struggle of hearing from God because of life in front of us. God is speaking today. He is speaking your name. He knows you, and He is speaking your name, and He desires for you, whether you're students or adults, young or old or anywhere in between, He desires for us to join in His work. The problem is not, is He speaking? Because He is speaking. The problem is, do you have your spiritual antenna working? I love what Robbie Gallaty states concerning God's Word and concerning a quiet time and concerning spending some time in God's Word. He says it this way, you and I need to get into God's Word until God's Word gets into us. It's not that we just need to... Alright, let me see what the verse is today. If I have made gold my trust or called fine gold my confidence, if I have rejoiced because my wealth was abundant or because my hand had found much. Okay, there's my verse for the day. Let's move on. No, get into God's Word until God's Word gets into you. The question remains this, when was the last time that you picked up the Bible off the table during the week and you just got in a quiet place? And you heard from the Lord. Third principle from the passage. It's one that I must remember. And you must remember as well. Listen what happens there in verse number 10 and following. The Lord came and stood calling at it other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. The Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do all this. And he goes through and says that. And then look down in verse number 19. After he and Eli had their moment. And it projects forward in Samuel's life. He says this, and Samuel grew, verse 19, 
and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, from north to south, they knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The third principle for us, excuse me, this morning is this that God's words hit the mark. And they don't fall away. Like, how, how do you get that from, from those three verses? Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. The prophet Isaiah stated it this way in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11. Speaking of the Lord, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Love what Martin Luther states about this. Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer of the 1500s stated it this way, the word of a human being is a little sound that goes, that goes out into the air and is gone. But the word of God is heavier than the heaven and earth. Indeed, it outweighs the heavens and the earth and it will outlast them. Speaking on 1 Samuel chapter 3, Tim Keller, pastor and author in New York, stated this about this verse. He says, there's really no word in Hebrew for the word presence. Whenever you see the word presence in some of our translations, have that there in verses 19 through 21. When it speaks of presence, it's really the Hebrew word for face. That the face of God. Hebrew is a very concrete language. And here it says that Samuel's words were not going to hit the ground. And how could that be? And it's like this. It's not that Samuel ever said anything wrong. He said something wrong. If you read to the end of the book of 1 Samuel, and we'll get there. If you read through it, you're going to hear Samuel say and act in some wrong ways. He was human just like you're human and I'm human. But when he stood up and said, hey, Israel, thus saith the Lord. He wasn't speaking as if, hey, I just talked with God and just let me tell you what he was talking about. No, when he stood up and said, thus saith the Lord, it was the word of God going forth. And that word does not come back void. That word does not meet its desired end. You're like, but, but how can that be? Because I have kids, I have friends, I have coworkers, I have neighbors, I have people that, that, uh, that don't accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, and, and I've told them about Him, and they're just going about their whole life. Well, their life isn't over. Yeah, it happened. It ended in 1972. No, they're still in existence. They're not living on this earth above ground, but they are living. 
And God is not going to force. Listen, anyone in the room that does not believe that Jesus is the son of the living God, that Jesus is, is the savior of the world, anybody in the room that does not believe that he um, loves you and died for you and paid for your sins, if there's any in the room that don't believe that, you need to understand this, that God is not going to make you live for eternity in his presence if you don't want to be there. He's not. He will allow you to live in eternity away from Him. His attributes will be void where you live in eternity. His attributes of love. His attributes of light. His attributes of peace. His attributes of order will all be void in the place where you want to spend eternity. If you don't want to be in His presence, He will not make you. I don't say that to scare you. I don't say that to to want you to scare you into making a decision because any decision that any person can scare you into, another person can scare you out of it. That, That is not what I'm trying to get across. I'm just trying to get across truth. He is not going to make you live in His presence. If you don't want to be there, He says that's fine but you will spend an eternity away from me. The French philosopher Voltaire, in the uh, day of enlightenment in the French Revolution, he made a bold statement, and that statement was this, a hundred years from my death, a hundred years from my death, the Bible will be a museum piece. A hundred years from my death, in essence, the Bible will mean absolutely nothing. The Bible will, it will, it will just be something that we go to the museum and think about, oh, look what that generation before us, oh, how foolish they were. Just by happenstance, not really. The French Bible Society, 50 years after his death, bought his house. And for the next hundred years, the French Bible Society printed Bibles in that house where he wrote the notes for that statement that a hundred years from my death, the Bible will be a museum piece. God's words are weighty. God's words continue to ring out. The question for you and me is this, are our spiritual antennas tuned in? Samuel's antenna was tuned in that night and that morning. Samuel's antenna was tuned in for much of his life. And as we will see, God spoke and God used. and God advanced His name, His fame, His glory, and His kingdom all throughout that generation. Will you focus your antenna? Will you hear from the Lord? Or will we find ourselves like that of Eli and that generation that our eyesight spiritually has gone out, that our ears are dark, that the light has almost gone out? For a number of us in the room, I I've heard your story. I've heard the journey that God has you on. For some in the room, I have not had that opportunity. And it's not for me to be the judge. It's God. Do you know Him? He knows you. 
He loves you. He desires for you to be His. He desires for you to come close. He desires for us to tune in. A new generation comes on the scene. That generation was Samuel and he is the last of the judges. We're going to walk with him for the next few chapters, next few weeks, until ushered in is a whole new era, that of Saul and the kings. But Samuel, catch this and I close. Samuel, from a little boy through the end of his days, his mom Hannah said, I lent him back to God. All of his life, I, I lent him back to God and he will serve in his presence. You can read it in chapter 1. And all of Samuel's life, he was there in the presence of God. And as he grew, God spoke and Samuel spoke. God directed and Samuel spoke and Israel followed. God has spoken. Genesis to Revelation, God has spoken. Some 40 plus authors have written it down over decades and centuries and millennia. And it's written right here. And it doesn't have it on the first page, but it's written right here and it says, hey, this is to Brian Tillman. Hey, this, this, this Genesis to Revelation is to you. It's God's love letter to you. So that you could get to know Him like He knows you. Would you spend some time getting to know Him? He's speaking. And He's raising up a whole new generation in front of us to bring glory to His name. Heavenly Father, thank You for the passage that uh, we looked at this morning. Father, it is, it is so easy for me. And I believe it's so easy for us to start a new day with a cup of coffee, putting on a, another change of clothes, and getting about the responsibilities of the day. And it's so easy for me, and I believe so easy for us, Father, to close out a day by taking off that pair of clothes, sitting in front of a screen, or just laying our head down on a pillow and closing out the day. And every moment in between being full, that God, we don't spend any time with You in Your Word. Father, I pray this morning that if nothing else, if nothing else sticks, God, that You would remind me, remind us that You are speaking. and God, You desire for us to hear You. River Bend, we are... Uh, we're going to respond and give you an opportunity to respond. We're going to stand and sing in just a, a brief moment. And maybe you need to stay right where you are. I, 
I don't know how you need to respond this morning. Maybe the response needs to be just this, quietly speaking back to the Father. Father, your servant hears you. Speak. Maybe the response is that before you go to bed tonight, you will find a quiet spot and you will open the Word and get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Maybe you don't know Him at all and you want to come to know Him. And He is speaking to you right now, telling you how much He loves you and how much He's done for you and you want to come. Come. I'll share who Jesus is and how much He loves you. But however the response is, if it's one of those or or any other, you respond to Him. As Alex leads us and as we um, are invited to join in in the song. So you stand and join us. Alex, you and the team, you lead us. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live Simple.